Pastor Jacob Hill. You all never knew I was so lucky, hey? No, I'm the uh, definitely the prize in your family. It's the, uh, the, the DIY. So yesterday I was DIYing the bathroom sink. Now, worked out that I couldn't do what we needed to do. And then we need to get a plumber in to fix that. But we also need to get the plumber in to fix what I broke while I was fixing. Let's just say there is a pot currently ca catching drips where <laughs> we need to get a plumber in ASAP. True story. This is just yesterday. One we prepared earlier. Now being Father's Day, I thought I'd probably should get quite serious and start with some... Um, like I read Proverbs every morning, most of you will know, and, and you come up with these pearls of wisdom. And, and most of them are actually written by a father. So some of the pearls of wisdom that I try to impart to my children are um, helping them learn things like, um, you know what you call a guy who has a shovel in his head? Doug. Do you know what you call somebody who doesn't have a shovel in their head? Douglas. What do you call a guy who goes to the dentist but won't say, ah, Noah? I told you on the prize in this family. I told you. A guy with a seagull nest in his hair, Cliff. What do you call the road worker who mends the potholes? Phil. I could keep going. I could keep going. <laughs> to the Christ of preacher aloud. All right. Um, I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about selfishness, and 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 that's and when we have like often what we'll have, especially see, dads get a bad rap. I reckon when it comes to selfishness, and people sort of say they're selfish, and and a lot of I was listening to. I was just flipping through the radio channel. Normally, I would listen to 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth's premier Christian radio station, proudly sponsored by, <laughs> which we do love those guys. But, you know, flipping through the stations. And then I was listening to, there was a, I was uh, driving home um, one evening, and there was a, a person talking about just how much they love being a single mum. And, and, you know, power to single mums, and I personally take my hat off to them. But she was saying how she preferred it that way because, Having a man around, he was, he was so selfish and was saying about and talked about this, how the husband would, you know, she expected having a, a man around would be someone sitting around waiting hand and foot after they've both worked all day and then he would come home. This is her, what her expectation of having a man around was. And I thought, wow, that's like, you know, sort of merging 1950s when, you know, one person worked and one was a, a homemaker and then, you know, you sort of move through to now where both are working but the expectations around the house hadn't changed. And I was thinking, well, I don't know what world you live in, but that looks nothing like my world and it looks nothing like the world of anybody I know. And, and I was sort of just, I was, I was just really upset for these people. And I was like, I actually got a picture of what they, you know, the world sort of shows as a selfish dad, the, the picture of selfishness. Do we have it up there, Mel? Yeah, yeah, we got. I was going to choose a different picture, but I thought it wasn't appropriate for church. But... What? Um, and and this this picture of this picture of the lazy dad, the selfish dad, and 
And you know what? We all actually do have a bit of selfishness in us. And you actually, and it really comes from, like, you're designed to be, to be selfish. Like, you're actually designed, because selfishness is, uh, th- there's a, pa- a certain, per- like, let me just, um, I'll show you, the r- I'll read out the definition of selfishness. Uh, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure or well-being without regard for others. Um, arising from concern with one's welfare or advantage in disregard for others. So the first part of selfishness is actually necessary part of life. It's actually you need to be concerned about yourself. You need to be concerned about your own well-being. You need to be concerned about uh, about some of the key parts of life. You need that. But then there's the, the little bit that goes further. It says with it, without regard for others. And what I want us to walk through this morning is to understand that the gospel that Jesus preaches, the gospel of the Bible is called the good news. And, and when we teach it properly, so many people will actually say, well, that's a selfish gospel. Because the gospel, Jesus summed up the gospel like this, the good news like this. Uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10 says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. In the um, Passion Translation, it says this, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life to its fullness, until you overflow. So that's God's objective for you. God's objective for you is to give you an abundant life. Not an abundant life, the abundant life. In other places it actually talks about how Jesus came and died on the cross, forgiving us of our sins so that we could receive the blessing. And we're to understand this blessing is the supernatural empowerment of God for you to live an amazing life. What's that? What's God doing? He's tapping into that first part of what we all—that drive that we all have—to to flourish as human beings. The first part to enjoy our lives that we want to enjoy our lives. And when we start to talk about that, people will ask. They, they will say, "That's a selfish gospel. That's all about me." And some people will call it all the "bless me" gospel or the "prosperity" gospel or all these negative terms or terms with negative connotations. And and, and, and but that's. That's not the gospel, because the, the definition of selfishness is not wanting to have an amazing life. It's wanting to have an amazing life with disregard for others. Now, the, the gospel, the Bible, the way it teaches the amazing life is you get the amazing life by helping others. That's how it works. The Lord... and, and See, for me, I remember when I first came to know the Lord, I, 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 um, I was in addiction. I was just, my life was the epitome of selfishness. I would do nothing for somebody else if there wasn't something in it for me. And I would do stuff for other people. And my friends called me amazingly loyal. And my friends were, knew I had their back and I would even die for them, no worries. But that's because they did the same for me. It was because they were loyal to me. It's because I trusted them, because I loved them, because they had been good to me. It was a, a synergistic relationship. It wasn't a giving relationship. It was, and, and, and what I was, when I came to Christ, I could see the Bible where God's actually asking you to, you know, there's a place in the Bible where Jesus tells you about throwing a dinner party. He says, don't throw a party, bring all your mates. Don't throw a party and bring people who, have got, who are able to pay you back. And said, instead of doing that, when you throw your parties, I want you to invite the poor, the broken, the homeless, those that cannot return to you, can't give you anything back. And, like, and as I'm starting to try and 
because if the, intellectually I could see from the scripture that, and, and I knew from a personal encounter, from that tangible experience that I had a spiritual, not just a spiritual moment, but a spiritual shift where there were moments compounded by moments compounded by just a shift in my mindset and, and something that was tangible in my heart, that I knew that God loved me. I knew that he had forgiven me of my sin. I knew that my eternity was secure with him. But I knew he was calling me deeper. I knew he was calling me deeper. I knew he was calling me to give him my whole life. And I just couldn't do it. The struggle was selfishness. It was like, I felt like I was going to miss out if I would give him everything. I felt like I I would be the one left without. Because... When you look at it with a with the mathematic logic, and I'm one of those kids that I used to lose marks in maths, not for getting the question wrong. Thanks, Mr. Holmes. I've forgiven and moved on. But because I didn't do the working out, I'll get the answer right. <laughs> There'd be a big math problem. I'll just write the answer. We just do it all like math. My 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 makes my head makes like it makes sense of it. Words less so much. And so you look at it like mathematically, it's like, well, I give, then I'm without. But that's not, like, and, 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 and a selfish mind says, well, we don't do that. We don't do that. What's mine is mine. What's yours is yours. What's mine is mine. And, and God challenges us to let go of control in this, <laughs> let go of the taking doesn't mean we don't take it doesn't mean we don't receive but it means we lose the control factor around it the fear around it the insistence around it what we insist on what we attach our control to what we actually can control because you can't control what you take you can't control what comes from another direction towards you you can manipulate, you can try, you can do everything you like within your power. You might even be really good at it and get it happen a lot of times, but that's actually outside of your control. And that's not what we're designed to be. What you have control over is your output, what you put out. And a selfish life is one that wants to take without putting out. Or if there is a certain amount of putting out, it must be returned. And, and, and that's not what God's calling us to. God's calling us to a life that's an abundant life. Remember we read that? A life that's overflowing. And do you, want, and do you know how Jesus, what Jesus describes this, the most, the, this life? He says here, it says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to output than to input. But the thing is, is that word blessed, it's not talking about these ethereal nice happy feelings it's not just talking about peace and sereneness you know what it includes that 100 percent includes that but that word blessed is actually talking about peace in your heart joy in your heart great relationships financial prosperity your body being healthy your children flourishing your children going on and succeeding your business expanding your your influence that's that word blessed and jesus says when you, it's more blessed when you, to give than to receive. He's saying like the recipe, the secret source for the blessed life is giving. 
If you're interested in, what did we read the definition of selfishness was? The first part, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage. <laughs> if, if you want, the, the most selfish thing you can do, if you're seriously interested in flying in life, is be a giver. You know the most selfish thing you can do as a husband? The most selfish thing you can do is treat your wife like a queen. <laughs> you want to have the most amazing life as a husband? Treat your wife like a queen. That, you, you, you want to like be a selfish husband and try and take, 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 take? You tell me about the quality of your life. You, there's a saying that says, happy wife, happy life. That's a real thing. It's a real thing. It's true. It's harmon the harmony and the blessing that comes from giving and sowing and, 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 and loving on your wife. The harmony and blessing and the, the, the reciprocation of it, that's worth so much more than whatever you could have taken or manipulated your way into. And this is the way that God calls us to operate. And it's like he's, he, 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 he's saying he wants this amazing life for us. And us with our kid brain selfish mindset is like we just want to take it. We just want to have it. And, and God, But God's giving to us is so much like... Remember we spoke about the dentist guy who wouldn't open his mouth to the dentist, Noah. See, God said to him, hey, a flood's coming. You're going to need a boat. And if he, if he was anything like me, this, I'd be like, sweet, Jesus, where's my boat? I'll just wait here on the Lord and the Lord will, you know, direct me to the boat. The Lord will provide the boat. But he didn't do that. He said, Noah, yeah, I'll give you a boat. Well, you just build it and then you can have it. And it took him 500 years to build this boat. And then Jesus, God's like, where's your boat, Noah? And so much, so much of the time, this interaction with God is like, yeah, I want to bless you, but you have a part to play. I want you to have the amazing life, but the part of the key of the amazing life is what you put into it. Because as, uh, now listen to this, to really understand the crux of this selfish heart that we have is because God made you like that. God made you to want to have an amazing life. Do you know why he made you to want to have an amazing life? Because he has an amazing life planned for you. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He's planned an amazing life for you because he's planned that life for you he's wired you to expect an amazing life he's wired you to live an amazing life he's wired you to want to have an amazing life he's wired you for an amazing life to be a normal expectation and we call it selfishness because there's a part of us that wants that life without any output but God's like, no, 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 that's not how I roll. You want the boat? Build the ark. You can have the boat, 100%, go build it. And yeah, there are miracles involved in the story of Noah. God brought the animals onto the ark. There, there are miracles involved, and you've got the, the blessing that where God helps you and God rolls with you, but it's not, a t and, this is, and this is what, I, you've got to be okay with the fact you want to have an amazing life. Like, be okay with it. We need to see so many of us, when we're 
having our time on the couch watching the footy, we've got this voice in our ear that says, it's not okay for you to stop right now. It's not okay for you to relax and enjoy yourselves. Some of you can't sit, some of you cannot sit still. Some of you fidget and get up and you have to clean. You, you have to do stuff. You can't just let yourself stop and, be, and just enjoy your life. Some of you can't let other people enjoy their life. I've, I've spoke to women who they say that they just, they, one of, and I think her exact words were, I cannot stand a man doing nothing. True story. And uh, like, I just can't stand to see a man doing nothing. And I was, and I was just, I was so sorry for your husband. And, but it's a thing, it, it lights people up, it triggers people, and it, we, we get this, and, and it, we've got to sort of like, actually, you know what, just, we need to be okay with the ebbs and the flows that God creates us for. He's created us to live an abundant life, and with that abundant life, He wants it to come through helping others. You just have to look at the most successful people on the planet. Let's just look at, uh, what's this, Apple, pers- Apple. So Steve Jobs, for example, he was the, uh, one of the founders of Apple. He was obscenely rich. He had so much of the things that we might want in life, the opportunities. And do you know how he got it? By giving you and me telephones. He did something for other people. And because he did that for other people, the way the world turned was that he was blessed. And do you know what? So much of this walk with God is like that. And we try to spiritualize things and we try to move things to the temporal and we try to say, this secular, this is spiritual, this is like church and this is work. And, and, but it's not. It's planet Earth. And God made planet Earth and he said, oh, he made it and he said, it's good. It's a system he put in place and he's asking us to cooperate in it. So we need to be okay with, we need to be okay with being okay. God's calling us. He's saying like, now listen to this. This is, this Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So he's prepared in advance good things for you to do. Remember earlier we read that he has plans for you, good plans. So part of those good plans are those good works. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Part of these good plans are the good works is the giving that Jesus talked about. And that's not talking about money necessarily or strictly. It's not talking about serving in, you know, by putting the chairs out on a Sunday or being on the music team or working in the kids necessarily, though it includes all those things. It's talking about a life where we're thinking about others. It's talking about a life where we're contributing to others, where we're actually walking around looking for opportunities to bless people. We're looking for opportunities to contribute to other people. And we move, when we start to move like this, we, we, we click into a gear that the Bible talks about where, where we're able to actually start to walk in a way that, look, look at this. Uh, for it is God who works in you in order, uh, in, in uh, Philippians chapter 12 and verse 13, it says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So remember we read, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's working in you to achieve and to fulfill that plan and that purpose. We need to cooperate with it. When we're not cooperating with that plan or that purpose, we have this empty hole. Now, C.S. Lewis called this empty hole a God-sized hole. And, and 
like me when I was talking about when I first came back to Christ, when I came out of addiction, the Christ-sized hole, the God-shaped hole was filled to a degree in the sense that I found the answer, but it wasn't full in the sense that I was now walking in the answer. You see, when God comes into your life, there is that definite knowing. The scripture says that, that the Holy Spirit testifies that we are children of God. We actually know there's a peace and a rest and a security when we, that comes into our life. When we make that decision to be a follower of Christ, we, it's, a, it's a, often a tangible experience and moment and, and transition. But God in His kindness and His goodness doesn't stop with the drawing because He has a plan for your life. And to us to walk in the blessed life, we need to be executing the plan. When Jesus said the plan is this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we need to be, the most selfish thing we can do as people is to be pursuing the call in our life. The most selfish thing that we can do as people is to be saying, hey God, it says here in Ephesians chapter 2 that I'm your handiwork created in Christ to do good works. You've prepared ahead of time. And another place that actually explains that ahead of time, it says, before the foundation of the world, before God put the planets in space, before God put the star, breathed the stars, before the world started spinning, God had planned these good works for you to do. So you've come into a system that's already operating. You've come into a solar system uh, uh, that's already spinning, or in a galaxy that's already spinning, in a universe that's already spinning and already in motion. And you've come out of time, from, from out of time into time, into this system that's already going with a plan that God's already got operating for your life. And you're not going to live your best life until you step into it. And the way we step into it is to stop thinking about me. Stop thinking about how can I bless me. The way we get into the blessed life, the way we thrive, first we connect with God. We have Him lift the burden of sin off our shoulders but then it's moving to a point of, okay, God, what's this amazing plan you have for my life? And then, you know what, some of you guys, and this is, I'm going to get very real with you now. So many people I have spoken to, so I have a call to this. I have a call to help the poor. I have a, hel a call to women's ministry. I have a call to youth. I have a call to this. I have a call to give to the kingdom. And they're sitting there waiting waiting for magic to fall out of heaven and God to give them Joyce Meyer. Just, hey, <laughs> who's this on the phone? Yeah, it's Joyce Meyer. Hey, yeah. yeah. So I'm hanging up my mic and I was thinking maybe you'd like it. And the women's ministry just got plop in their lap. Uh, you want to be an amazing contributor to the kingdom, like I'm talking to someone who's able to fund the work of the gospel. But you're not tithing in church yet, but you've got this call. And God's given you an amazing business anointing but you don't even have a job. Well, you do have a job. And you're like waiting for your big break and then, and then. But can I tell you that Jesus says you'll never give if you live like that. You will, when your break comes, you will never take it. <laughs> Jesus said this, he says, he who's faithful with little will be faithful with much. He who's not faithful with little won't be faithful with much. So it's like, he's not, God didn't give Noah a boat. Honestly, I could just, this is my message right now. 
I just feel like God's, God's, he just got really serious. God, we're having fun. What about the dad jokes? No, he's staying here. He, he's being really serious with us. He says, I didn't give Noah a boat. Stop waiting for a boat. Stop waiting for a boat. Build your boat. I gave you an instruction. <laughs> I didn't give you, he didn't give Noah a boat. He gave him an instruction. What was God's instruction to you? We're f- living this life where we're feeling this ache, and I'll call it greatness. We can feel it, this call to more. You can feel it. It's there and it's real and it's tangible in our hearts. And the reason it's there and it's tangible and real is because God put it in you before he laid the foundation of the world. He put it in you. He says, I want to give you the most amazing life. I have this life. How do we describe it? A plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Hope and a future. Overflowing to abundance. In, in the Passion Translation, uh, John 10.10 10 says this, but I've come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. He says, God's working in you at the moment to fulfill His good purpose. But God did not give Noah the ark. He gave Noah the instruction. He gave Noah the instruction. And I just feel like God's just got really, really firm with us and really really firm and he says i didn't he's saying i didn't give noah the ark i gave him an instruction and he says i haven't given you your ark i've given you an instruction he says you will never find the satisfaction you're looking for until you start to build your ark you'll never find we're talking about this selfish life this life where i'm not talking about selfish in the sense of disregarding others i'm talking about selfish in the first aspect of it where we're looking for the good life we're looking for the peace. We're looking for the joy. We're looking for the freedom that Christ offers, that, 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 that God gives us. The blessing. And he says, you're not going to walk in the fullness of it until you start to walk <laughs> in, the, in, in the fullness of it. And Noah went on to be a hero of faith. He went on and actually saved humanity. Because he built the ark God told him to. And I just think God's telling, God's just, right now, I just, I reckon even, I'm going to pray, but I just think even now, you already, some of you people here are just like, whoa, I need to start building that ark God told me to. Some of you, it's like 20 years ago, I just felt God say right here, there's people 20 years ago, I told you to build an ark, and you didn't start moving. And God's like, you wondered why your life's still here? It's because 20 years ago, I told you to start moving, you didn't start moving. And he's like, oh, he's patient. He's, he's, he's like, from eternity to eternity, you've got from you know, 1900 to 2000, like, you know, we're going to get 100 years on this rock tops if we're lucky. And God's saying, hey, I'm patient. And I'm just going to pray. Lord, let's just bow our heads, everybody, across this place. You know, I covered a couple of things here, and the first thing I really spoke about well, the two sides of the same coin, really. The first side of it is is to to walk in the fullness of God, what of what God has for us. We actually have to walk with Him. To walk with Him, we have to choose to follow Him. And what does that mean? And it means there's an initial decision to follow Christ. It's an initial decision to say, "Hey, you know what? Today, I'm I'm choosing to become a follower of Christ." And turning, the Bible talks about it, it uses the word repentance, which means it's turning 180 degrees in your heart, in your mind. 
It's a decision. It's an act of your will. And, and people, different people do it all, all different sorts of ways. And it doesn't need to be a articulated prayer, but, but it's a great way of doing it as a marker in our lives. And as a church right now, we're going to pray this prayer of repentance where we're saying, basically, we're going to be saying, God, I choose to be a follower of you. You know, and if you want to make that decision, for maybe might be your first time, maybe you did a long time ago and you're, you're coming back home. But I would invite you to, I'm going to pray it out loud, but I'm going to invite you to repeat after me. And, and all of us, church, I want you to join in with me, please. And if you're online as well. But we're going to pray this first prayer because the first part of living the abundant life is following Christ. So just, church, repeat after me. Dear God, today... I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you meant it with all your heart, the scripture says that you got born again. What does that mean? Is you got a fresh start in your heart. You know, and if that was you, just with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, if that was you, I just would invite you just to slip your hand in the air because I would like to be able to pray with you personally afterwards. Just give you one moment. If you're online, please put it in the comments and, and we'll, we'll get in touch with you and get you some resources. But I'll just give you one moment. If you made that decision just then to follow Christ, maybe for the first time or maybe you're coming home, I just invite you to slip your hand in the air. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray now for all of us. And I said the first part is choosing to follow Christ. You know what the second part is? Actually following Him. The second part is actually following Christ. Actually following Him. Too many people call themselves followers of Christ, but they aren't going where He's going or aren't going where He tells them to go. They're not building the ark He told them to build. They're picking and choosing what parts they follow and what parts they don't. You know, God's patient and gracious, but you know who misses out? You. You miss out on the abundant life God has for you. Do you know who else misses out? The people that you were supposed to help. Do you know who else misses out? God. Because He loves seeing people get helped, because He loves seeing His children flourishing. Everybody loses when we don't follow God. I'm going to pray for us just for a, just, just that God put some steel in our backbone. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would put steel inside of us, Lord God. We would be people like Noah who, when you tell us a flood's coming, we don't sit and wait for a boat. When you tell us to build an ark, we don't sit and wait for an opportunity. We don't sit and wait for perfect circumstances. Lord, I pray we be people like Noah, that when you tell us to build, we build. We start building. We trust you to do the impossible, but we do what we can do. Holy Spirit, that you would move in our lives. I just pray for a supernatural empowerment, a boldness to do what you called us to, a bravery, an energy. I just feel like some people here, your, your reason is I just can't do it. I just don't have the energy. I just don't have the time. I just don't have the, 
And I just feel like God's saying, just do it. And watch the energy come, watch the time come, watch the resources come. Lord, that we would be followers of Christ. We would truly live the life, the blessed life, the overflowing life that you want to give your kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship, guys. I just think that God's just going to keep ministering to us as we just invite you to stand. And the team's going to lead us in a song. And we're just going to use this time just to let that God just consolidate that word in our spirit. Holy Spirit, you just would just, just highlight the parts of it that were just for us, Lord God. Thank you, mighty Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.